When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, from the f- home office of Reed Wilkins, we go to the home office of yours truly, Dave Campbell, who's in for Reed tonight and for the rest of the week on 6.30 Chad Inside Sports. Hey, nice to have you with us. 780-496-0063 is the telephone number. We have a lot to get to, including this right off the top here. Chuba Hubbard, we've had him on the show before, a highly decorated NCAA Division I athlete playing for Oklahoma State University. He was the uh, Big Big 12 Player of the Year. He was a Heisman Trophy candidate. He won the John Cornish Award, which is for the best Canadian playing in the NCAA. Today, he took a stand against his head coach by the name of Mike Gundy. And it was all about a T-shirt that Gundy was wearing for the OAN Network, which is a Russian right-wing-backed network in the United States who have said that Black Lives Matter is a farce. And, of course, that's a farce to say it's a farce. But then all of a sudden, we get this from Gundy and from Chuba Hubbard. In light of today's tweet with the uh, t-shirt I was wearing, um, I uh, I've met with um, some players and uh, realized it's a very sensitive issue with what's going on uh, in today's society. And so we had a great meeting and uh, made aware of some things that uh, players feel like that can make our organization, our culture even better than it is here at Oklahoma State. And I'm looking forward to making some changes and it starts at the top with me and we got good days ahead. I'll start off by first saying that I went about I went about it the wrong way by tweeting. I'm not someone that you know has to you know, tweet something to make change. I should have went to him as a man, and I'm all, I'm more about action. So that was bad on my part. But from now on, we're going to focus on bringing change, and that's the most important thing. So the uh, first voice was Mike Gundy, who basically said that change is coming. And uh, I'll just read what he said today. In light of t- today's t- with the tweet with the T-shirt I was wearing, I've met with some players. I realize it's a very sensitive issue with what's going on in today's society. So, I mean, we'll see what happens here. And I'll read this tweet as well from the uh, president of the university, Burns Hargis. I hear and respect the concerns expressed by our black student athletes. This is a time for unity of purpose to confront racial inequities or inequalities and injustice. We will not tolerate insensitive behavior by anyone at Oklahoma State. So Chuba Hubbard, who is an upstanding young man who's going back for his final year of eligibility at OSU before entering the NFL draft, uh, took the stand and got the attention of his coach, who in the beginning was pretty defiant. You know, I believe he had a tweet saying, come, come and get me or come at me or something like that. And uh, all of a sudden, this about face, which I hope is sincere. I hope there's nothing behind it. And I hope for Chuba Hubbard's case, and it sounds like uh, 
because he said this after that statement. He says, don't get it twisted. Full still on the foot still on the gas. Results are coming. It's not over. So to me, that gave me some comfort going, this isn't a stunt by the, by the uh, university to say, Chuba, get up there with your head coach, Mike Gundy, and we'll just, you know, brush it under the carpet. So it doesn't appear to be that way. That's not my sense anymore. But good on Chuba Hubbard for taking the stand as he did. So that is, uh, that is excellent. Great job by Chuba Hubbard. So we will see what happens. Hey, it's uh, like I said, I'm here all week. We got a lot to talk about today. We're going to have Nick Lewis on the show, former CFL receiver. Uh, he played for the Calgary Stampeders. I know many of you Eskimo fans couldn't stand him, uh, but he was a very good player. Played for the Montreal Alouettes, was a former assistant coach of the BC Lions. We'll get his thoughts on a uh, number of to- topics and uh the uh, racial and social injustice. We've uh, spent a lot of time talking about that on the show with uh, Warren Moon and Nate Bahar and Grant Fuhr and others. And uh, we'll continue that tonight as well. Get his reaction about, uh, well, he's ready to go now. So let's just, let's just, you know what? We were going to take an early break, Kellen Kennedy, but why would we do that? Because we got, we got uh, Nick Lewis on the line right now. So uh, Nick, welcome to Inside Sports. You're with Dave Campbell. It's nice to hear from you. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing great. And first of all, thank you very much for uh, doing this on very short notice. I, I texted you about a half hour ago, so I really appreciate it. Uh, I guess, first of all, and this has been kind of standard on the show, uh, Reed's been doing this, so I think it's appropriate to continue. Tell me where you are, how are you and your family are doing through this uh, COVID-19 pandemic? Oh, I'm good. Uh, I'm in, I'm in uh, Saskatchewan right now. And, uh, you know, life here doesn't change. Um, there ain't nothing to do here anyway. So uh, just here, hang out with the family. And, uh, yeah, just been working on a lot of things behind the scenes. I, I, I work on a lot of different com- companies and uh, putting some stuff together uh, to try to help the players out, help the CFL out, and uh, see what we can move forward. Yeah, and, and you know, when we talk about you know just the environment that you're in and when we talk about how COVID-19 has affected Canada, and of course, everyone had to, you know, kind of lock down and, and have a, a bunch of restrictions. And I know here in Alberta, we're seeing those restrictions uh, being lifted. We're in phase two. Uh, you got the benefits. You were one of the first provinces to actually lift your restrictions, which is really good. I mean, lifted to what? What is there to do here? <laughs> it's <laughs> been phase Life has three changed. the whole time. <laughs> Life has to change, you know. You can, you know. I've been, uh, I've been getting a lot of work on the on my uh, bike, and I bought a spin bike for the house, and uh, been getting some work on that as well. So, a lot of biking and uh, uh, just trying to stay active yeah. and, and mentally ready for everything that's going on. Yeah, no question. Uh, now you're from Texas. Do you have a lot of family still in Texas? And um, all my family's in Texas. Yeah, all my family's in Texas. And, they're doing good. They're they're doing good. My brother just got a house actually, so um, everybody's doing well. I, I can't complain, and I think uh, everybody's on the right path right now. Nick Lewis joins us, former CFL receiver and also an assistant coach last season with the BC Lions, joining us on 630 Chen Inside Sports. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you saw the uh, 
the stuff with Chuba Hubbard today, who's from Short Park and having a, a tremendous uh, career with uh, Oklahoma State University, and uh, one more year left, and hopefully we will see college football and uh, this uh, this coming fall. It sounds like they're they're definitely wanting to play, but took a stand against his head coach Mike Gundy for a, a T-shirt he was wearing of an American right wing network, which uh, has not been very kind at all to the. Uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, we just played his comments along with Mike Gundy, who really walked it back. I don't know. Have you seen this today? And uh, if you have, what's your reaction to it? I've seen the I've seen the Twitter post. I haven't seen the comments or anything or uh, any statements that have been made. I've seen his old lines backed him and uh, some of the other players on the team backed him. And it's a it's a big thing right now. And you know, one of the biggest things that I want people to know and people to go in, regardless of what you believe. Right or wrong, just do it in a positive way. All right, we have so many people putting down people, right? And I think a lot of those media outlets tend to discourage people and to put down one side. Like, represent the side you're on. If you're on the right, represent the right and talk about the positives on the right. If you're on the left, represent the left, talk about the positives on the left. I mean, to continue to put each other down is does nothing for anyone. So start a dialogue. Understand the other side a lot better. Even though you are the wherever you are in the political spectrum, whatever your values are, you have to have a an ear to the other side as well. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. I can't I can't ever understand where you're coming from if you're only talking bad about the other side. I can't get mm-hmm. on board with you if I don't know what you're representing. Mm-hmm. Right? Everybody's always yep. now it's like I don't talk about what's good about my side. I only talk about what's negative about the other side. Do you see a lot of hope in this? Because I, I know there, there's a lot of anger, and there should be in this. Uh, you know, this really inflamed with with uh, with George Floyd a few weeks ago. We see the uh, we see the uh, protests. Some of them have been violent. A lot of them have been peaceful. We have to remember that as well. Um, there's been a lot of dialogue even here in Edmonton. Uh, we've had, we had 15,000 people at a rally, uh, about 10 days ago, which was great to see. Um, there's been talk about, you know, defunding the police. And I know this is a sports show, so I'm going to bring it back to the sports realm here as well. But, uh, do you see hope through all of what's been happening lately, which has been, like you say, uh, you know, it hasn't been a lot of, it's been a lot of negative, but. Do you see the positives in all in, in this as well? Because unfortunately, this is an issue that has been around for way too long, and it's probably going to be around longer than we want. But are you encouraged that that we can kind of see some inroads in this? Yeah, I'm, I'm very encouraged. I mean, if you look at what happened the marching 50 years ago um, with with what happened with Martin Luther King, it was mostly black. Now you have ra- all races marching together, you have people truly coming together uh, for the betterment of mankind. And, and I think I'm very positive on where we're going as a community and has, as a people. Now, I do believe there's a lot of people with a lot of money involved that has agendas that, that are encouraging the looters, that are encouraging the riots, and trying to hush out the protesters right? They put out these things that make you talk about everything but what it should be, just like when Colin Kaepernick kneeled. They started making it so much about the flag that nobody really took the time to really learn and understand why he was kneeling. And this is where we are today. And uh, like I said, I feel very encouraged by 
the way people are going about it, the way people are marching. And, um, you know, I've always been about inclusion of all. I mean, I think women, women's rights, um, the gay and lesbian community, um, everyone should have rights. Everyone should have the same equal opportunity uh, to live the best life they can live. And I think that's where we're headed. And there's some people that's not on board with that yet, and that's fine. But, you know, the people that's doing the marching and the protesting, they're doing a great job, and we're and we're headed in a great direction. Nick Lewis joining us, former CFL receiver here on 630 Chad Inside Sports. Uh, speaking of the CFL, you know, we've been through a, uh, a few labor uh, where we've seen a few labor uh, disputes that have threatened the start of CFL seasons. You go back to a year ago where it almost happened again and it didn't happen. So here we are in a pandemic for COVID-19 because of COVID-19. And now we don't know if we'll have a season at all. The league is trying to play in September. And I know there's a lot of issues of why is the league not communicating with the players and uh, why is there not more inclusion, you know, with return to play protocols that including, you know, everybody, you know, governors, owners, GMs, coaches, players should be involved too. But when you look at this scenario right now, the CFL in uncharted waters and an uncertain, I don't want to say uncertain future, because I think the CFL, if it doesn't play, it'll, it'll survive beyond this year. But what an unusual situation, Nick. Very unusual. And, you know, this goes back and finally seeing that the people can actually see the owners have always kind of locked the players out of, of what the, the moves are and what's going to happen. And that's very unfortunate because well, the way I've always viewed it is we're all in the same boat. Everyone benefits or everyone hurts, right? So everybody should want the CFL to grow. Everyone should want the same outcome. Just like in the in, in the movement that's going on outside in the world, we all want the same outcome, right? It should be for a better life. And and for CFL players, your only outcome is you want to play football, you want to earn a living so you can support your family, right? This is not a right and wrong mm-hmm. situation. This is a we're trying to support our families. And, you know, everybody that knows CFL players haven't been paid since last November. Yep. Right? So you have a – it's an, an – Every player I've talked to has no idea what's going on. Um, is it the government that's going to bail out the CFL to allow players, allow them to play? Um, I'm under the understanding that owners are going to lose more money by not playing this year than playing. Um, mm-hmm. I think TSN should, I think TSN should adopt a pay-per-view model so that people pay to watch the game. So you support the CFL. So you pay whatever, even if it's, um, a weekly package or a monthly package, and right. a, a cut of that goes to the CFL. You know, so it, they have to find other ways to make the revenue up for for the lack of fans, because the CFL needs that. And I think those are the things that should be discussed, and that should be the direction they're going in uh, to make sure that they can assure that they're going to take care of the players, and the players are going to entertain the fans. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we're the, the clock's ticking here, too. And I think that's why the players are getting antsy as well. And I know that this is unusual territory for the CFL. They've never had to deal with this before. Never had to deal with, you know, modeling for hub cities and modeling for adopted team models and uh, modeling for no fans or maybe limited fans. But for heaven's sakes, uh, you know, it's, it's a little embarrassing when players have to, and I'm a member of the media, um, and I would call you, kind of a member of the media you're just you're, you're just so good at talking you can do whatever you want so uh <laughs> but uh, you know i 
I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm baffled that a league will not talk to their players and even update them on what's going on. And yet it comes out yesterday through the media that, oh, there is a plan. They are looking at things, um, but they're not including the players. I don't understand this deep-seated uh, lack of respect to the players. And we're still seeing it through a pandemic. The baffling part is that the commissioner is an ex-player. That's yep. the part that baffles me the most, right? You you did what you did, and you wanted to leave the league better. Now you came back years later to try to improve it even more. And now you can't have any sympathy or anything for the players. And to me, that's disheartening because you're, you're one of us. You're one of the guys that, that played the game, right? I care about the players because – I always want to look back on the CFL, and hopefully I left it better than I got it. Hopefully I encouraged it to go in a more positive direction. And, I, you know, I actually had somebody ask me the other day, he's like, why don't you run for commissioner? I was like, dude, I don't have the time. But that's one of the biggest things is, like, we have to understand we're all in the same boat. There's different life rafts. Every team's got a life raft. But at the end of the day, it's all the same boat. And we should all be going in the same direction. And that's the people that care about the league is the fans. That's the ownership. That's the players, the GM, the head coaches, or the coaches and everyone. Right? As a coach, it sucks because you don't have a say-so. You don't have a union. And you don't have mm – -hmm. there's nothing for you but to hear from the um, president's side or hear from the player's side. And you're just kind of right. stuck in the middle. Yeah, it's tough. It, it's it's tough to see, and you know, I I genuinely hope that they find a way to play. I genuinely hope that they find a way to come together, but man, they got to do it in, do it in such a short order here, and that's unfortunate. So, uh, Nick, as always, it's great to have you on this show. It's great to hear your perspective. Uh, I'm glad to hear you're doing well, and your family's doing well. So uh, take care of yourself, and uh, look forward to the next time we can have you on Inside Sports, Nick. I appreciate you for having me on, Edmonton. You, hey, you be well. Hope everybody's doing well over there, and and yeah, keep going, keep going. There you go, Nick Lewis from uh, former Calgary Stampeder. It's interesting you said that because, of course, there was a lot of Nick Lewis. I can't stand Nick Lewis because he was that good of a football player with the Calgary Stampeders. Former Alouette, also a former assistant coach with the BC Lions. Great to hear Nick's perspective. Well, and I can tell you this, that we know who the all-time head coach is, voted by you, the fans, for the Edmonton Oilers. So we'll reveal that after the 7.30 news uh, from the 6.30 Chat 24-hour news center. So I just want to repeat quickly what Nick Lewis said about uh, it's all about attacking right now, not about building through what we're seeing with the uh, protests and the discourse right now through the Black Lives Matter, of course, going back to George Floyd and going way beyond that. Um, and I thought that was a great line. It's about building, not attacking. That is excellent. We'll talk more about uh, the Major League Baseball and their drama, CFL. How are the other leagues handling the return to play protocol, protocol CEBL news as well? Edmonton will not host the championship tournament, unfortunately. We'll talk about that in a moment. Campbell in for Wilkins on 630 Chet Inside Sports.
Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight on 6.30 Chad Inside Sports from my uh, basement office, which, uh, Callan Kennedy, uh, nice to uh, hear from you again on these airways. It has a green same, and gold flavor. Same. Oh, man. It's been a while since. I know we've talked a few times on the phone, and I've been uh, a guest on Reed's show on this very show for a few times, but uh, it's nice to talk to you on the airways, my friend, as you're mm-hmm. holding the fort down at this, uh, a very empty station, which still remains empty and probably will remain empty for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, one of the deals of getting through this. But the cool part is now is that, like I said last week, everybody's kind of settled into a groove and we're just kind of just got our heads down. And we're just I don't want to say it's business as usual because, well, nothing about this is normal or is usual. But uh, we found a little bit of a pattern, a little bit of a groove, and we're just working within that comfort zone now. It's kind of a new comfort zone, right? So, Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny. I only got the ability to, to broadcast live from my home for about, you know, I've only had the technology for about two weeks because I knew Reed was taking this week off. So it's been kind of cool. And you have a little bit of this nervous excitement about, mm. you know, going on the air from your from your home office, right? Well, by, by the way, uh, welcome yeah. to 2020. This is what all of us podcasters and uh, YouTube streamers <laughs> and that stuff do for a living, man. So that's so a good a little point. taste of that. So <laughs> that's a good point. I was going to joke, too, uh, that, uh, you know, I hear the pitter patter of my four year old son, Noah, and my two year old daughter, Addison. No, it's more like crash, boom, bang. So every <laughs> once in a while, I don't know if it picks up up on my mic but i hear this boom crash and you know the odd little scream and all that so i I think everyone's still alive up there so that's good cool hey (laughs) hey you heard uh right before we got back from the uh last break about the uh the poll that we've been talking about the edmonton oilers all-time all-star results are in we're going to reveal this every night here on 630 jed inside sports also on uh, global news at six which for this week you will hear and I'll explain more on that in a moment. But uh, today we reveal the all-time head coach, and by a landslide, and no surprise, Kellen, Glenn Saylor, yeah, 81% of the votes. Yeah, just yeah incredible. incredible. 11 yeah. seasons as Oilers head coach, won 464 regular season games, 89 playoff games, four Stanley Cups. And I don't know, you know, I, I don't forget about this, but maybe some people do. He was a general manager. So he picked up players like, he took a chance on Craig McTavish, who had some life difficulty and legal difficulties, obviously. Um, and uh, well, I mean, he spent—you know—he's—he spent some time in jail, so um, for for a crime, and uh, he was basically reclamated. So Glenn Saylor took a chance on him, and there you go. Uh, Craig Simpson was a young player out of uh, out of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, you know, when they were building, and Rob Brown was there, of course, uh, our in-game analyst, and some guy named. Lemieux, Mario Lemieux, who was pretty uh, good. And then, yeah, so many others. And uh, he helped build a, a Stanley Cup winner. Yeah. And by uh, the way, for, uh, yeah, by yeah, the way, Davey, ahead. sorry to step on you there, but the, uh, uh, the aforementioned Craig McTavish was actually voted the runner up because he himself was a fairly successful uh, head coach. Uh, in the uh, 2000s, of course, he was the head coach of the uh, fabled 06. Uh, do we call it a miracle cup run or just out of nowhere oh, cup boy. run? Or, uh, I think you know, magical. It magical. Was just, yeah, kind of unexpected. <laughs> I remember being at uh, the old Coliseum and it was the 81st game of the year. And the Oilers that season had a dreadful second half. Uh, maybe dreadful is a, a bit of a strong word, but they were limping along. And I remember 
they, I think it was the Anaheim Ducks that they beat. And I believe Alex Hamsky scored with about a minute left to clinch a playoff spot. Oh, they didn't clinch, actually. They needed the Canucks to lose on the road, and the Canucks did lose on the road. So mm-hmm. they went into the playoffs, and they played Detroit, and no one gave them a chance, including yours truly, and they won in six. So um, incredible run, of course. Was today the uh, 14-year anniversary of Fernando Pisani's Game 5 win? Actually, it was Sunday, so we're about one day it was sun- That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I remember Game 6 because I didn't see Game 6 till later because I called my first very first CFL regular season game uh, in Calgary with Brian Hall um, when we were all on the old CHQT 880 when we were spinning the tunes on on there. Now it's right. Global News Radio. So um, I remember game six for just be not, be able, not being able to see it and watch the Eskimos lose a season opener in, in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And they lose a lot in Calgary anyway. So um, that's what I remember. Um, on the text line at uh, 780-496-0063, uh, we got this text. I thought Reed was back at six today. Well, Reed is not back. Um, well, Reed's not here right now. Reed will be back next week at six o'clock. Yes, we're going back to a two-hour show, which uh, we are very of course. We understand why we uh, we dropped to one hour with the COVID nineteen pandemic. Always very important to get the news out, but we're going to go back to a two-hour format on. Monday, June the 22nd, when Wilkie comes back in. Looking forward to it, Dave, but of course, we're going to get through this week and all the stuff that's going down this week. And again, another fluid situation, but next week, yep, back to two hours. I'm psyched. I can't wait. Yeah, it, it, we'll just put it in the business. Uh, how, what they say in the business or what they say in life, that's the plan. So the plan is to go back to two hours on, on Monday and the 22nd. So that's what we are fully intended to do, Kellen. Absolutely. So um, let's move along here. Uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, I hurt when I talk about Major League Baseball or think about it or see tweets about it. So last week, Rob Manfred, who is probably the worst commissioner of commissioners in any sport in any history, perhaps, um, came out last week and said, we're going to 100% play. Now, just to catch you up, this shouldn't take long. The players and the owners have been fighting for weeks, maybe stretching into a couple of months now about what structure would they play under. An 82-game season starting on 4th of July weekend, a, uh, a, a season starting on July the 10th. Back and forth, back and forth. The players want full salary. The owners want 50% revenue sharing. Both sides are talking past each other or negotiating past each other, not to each other. But Rob Manfred last week said, 100% we're going to play. Of course, he has a clause that he could trigger back on March 26th. So this is after the pandemic started. This is about two weeks past or pretty close to it anyway. That he said, I can mandate a 50-game season with full salary for players at any point, at any time. Well, he hasn't done that yet. And the players, after rejecting the latest offer over the weekend from Major League Baseball, said, we're done talking. Just tell us when we're going to play and we'll show up. Well, Rob Manfred hasn't done that yet. And today on ESPN in the, in the U.S., uh, they have a special where they're talking to all four commissioners of the major sports, the NHL with Gary Bettman, Adam Silver, the NBA, Roger Goodell, the NFL, and Rob Manfred of Major League Baseball. Who said this tonight? Obviously, that sort of bad faith tactic makes it 
extremely difficult um, to move forward in these circumstances. It's just a disaster for our game. Um, absolutely no question about it. So here we are. Here we are. Not likely to have a Major League Baseball season, I believe this to be true, or this is how I should read it. And what I think Rob Manfred is talking about is even though the players have said, pick a time, tell us where we're going to go, we'll show up, it's time to play ball. But Rob Manfred is coming back and saying, we'll do that as long as you promise not to file legal action against us because what's expected is that the players are going to file a billion-dollar lawsuit for damages. This is so dysfunctional, it's not even funny. It's making the 94 strike look tame. It, you know, this, this is ridiculous. And, and you look around how other leagues have handled the return to play protocol. It has been perfect, but the NHL has done a pretty good job. They've always preached health and safety, and they have included the players. They come up with this 24-team playoff, which includes playing games, um, with, with the Oilers, of course, playing the Chicago Blackhawks when we get going. This is the long, like Reed says, this is the longest preamble to a playoff series, to a playoff in the history of sports, but hey, such is life. We're in a pandemic, right? Um, the NBA has included the players and they're, they're talking as much as they can about what's safe for them. Even though there is a sentiment that it's LeBron James has shown if LeBron James says we're going to play, we're going to play, but there doesn't seem to be that animosity, even though there is a group of players that are saying, why are we doing this? And I think that's a shared view by a lot of people, even in the NHL, that why are we doing this? Like, this is crazy. But you don't seem to have that discord of relationship between those leagues. NFL, it's kind of different. It's kind of a, a discord because you have non-guaranteed contracts, but you have crazy signing bonuses. You have millions and millions upon uh, dollars where uh, players can get the guaranteed money, you know, uh, for signing bonus, signing $40 million, $50 million, you know, even you know whatever it is is you know you're you're getting guaranteed money but here's here's major league baseball and the players and it's just embarrassing what's happening right now you know we're in a pandemic people have lost their jobs they're losing money and they're squabbling over money and it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense here at all so and yes, is there a health and safety concern after, you know, and today it comes out that there's been players and, and staff members that have tested positive for COVID-19, obviously away from their facilities. But, you know, there is a concern that you are going back into a firestorm here, too. But there's been no working together between MLB and the players. And it's so embarrassing. And Rob Manfred seems to want less baseball. He wanted seven inning games. He wanted a runner on second uh, to start extra innings, and now he wanted a 50-game schedule, which he won't even trigger because he's playing, still playing games with the players. And I'm not saying the players aren't absolved of this. I mean, both sides are going to lose money. And what I guess I'm, what I get upset about is I don't understand why both sides won't won't accept that reality. So it's been embarrassing what we see in Major League Baseball. Absolutely embarrassing. Uh, for the NHL, they're still trying to decide on hub cities. Sounds like Vegas is going to be one. Where's the other going to be? Canada still is very much in the mix. Of course, Edmonton, Vancouver, Toronto, they want to host uh, the NHL restart. John Shannon, uh, NHL insider on Oilers Now Today with Bob Stoffer says, you know what? There are hangups being a host city. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not committed to that yet. I'm, I'm still waiting. Uh, you know, I mean, let's look what's happening in the southwest right now when it comes to COVID. Arizona had its highest spike yesterday in since since the uh, pandemic started. Yesterday, Arizona and Vegas have a common border. People are in Vegas right now. Vegas is basically open again. I don't think you can dare go to a city that has the oper- that situation. So I'm I'm actually I'm I'm not going to try to guess anymore. I'm going to wait for the announcement <laughs> of the of the two cities and and hope I think they're still trying to figure out and wait but make sure they have a canadian team as we wait and hear what the federal government's going to do and the, what the federal government is going to do or what the nhl hopes to do is try to amend that 14-day quarantine for international travel if that doesn't happen we're likely not going to see a hub city in canada we'll be back after this for Reed Wilkins tonight. Do you ever have concerns about your data being tracked by your smartphone or the apps you use? You'll want to hear one man's story tomorrow morning at 6.35 a.m. on 6.30 Ched Mornings with Chelsea and Shay. CEBL, that's the Canadian Elite Basketball League, uh, expanded to seven teams with Ottawa coming into the league. Of course, the Edmonton Stingers are in this league as well. We're supposed to host the championship weekend in season number two, but the pandemic hit and this, the uh, league uh, canceled their season in April, supposed to start May 7th. And to uh, talk about some con- contingency plans made today by the league is executive vice president, John Lashway. John, nice to have you on Inside Sports. I'm great, Dave. Great to be with you today. And we have you on because we're, we're talking about the Canadian Elite Basketball League, which which was, I think, a really big success uh, uh, going uh, with its first season last year. We had the Edmonton Stingers here. The uh, environment at the Expo Center was was tremendous at the Hive. You have decided that you're going to try and play and finish a season in, uh, of some sort. Can you explain? Yeah, we uh, realized by the end of March, 1st of April, that it was uh, becoming... Uh, a long shot for us to play a season in 2020 that looked like the season in 2019 and that means a full 20 game schedule for all seven teams in the league um, finishing up with a championship weekend and uh, so we started to prepare for a number of different contingencies and probably looked at a dozen or more different ways of playing you know could we push the season back could we play a 14 game schedule or a 10 game schedule or you know divide east and west or what were all the options it's really tough in in a national league like this because we've got seven teams across four provinces and you know the provinces really call the shots on most of the issues related to COVID-19 so not only did we look at you know 12 to 14 different scenarios but each one of those kept changing you know, at least weekly as the events um, around COVID-19 changed. And and so, you know, as time goes on, some of those options begin to eliminate themselves. And that's, you know, that's really what happened here. And so it's come down to we can either play a single site tournament or call it a year, move on to 2021. But, you know, we've been determined to play basketball and um, to really be a part of this country bouncing back and, and emerging and, and um, you know, trying to get back to some sense of normalcy this summer. So that's been our mission, and uh, we're pretty optimistic that that's going to happen. 
We're joined by John Lashway. He's the executive vice president of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Is the league today announcing some uh, hope, some hopes to return to play and have a tournament, hopefully in uh, the Niagara area at some point. And and of course, this affects Edmonton because they had championship weekend booked, and uh, so no one can experience the hive this year, unfortunately, John. But uh, obviously, and you kind of referenced it that, that every province has their, their different protocols and, and healthcare guidelines. But maybe just speak to Edmonton specifically and just the, the tough choice and really your hand was forced here I'm sure but just to say look we can't do it this year yeah it was you know we had six teams in our in our inaugural season of last year now we've added Ottawa for for the seventh team but you know the Stingers are really um, a big success story last year and uh, you know maybe a little bit slow getting out of the gate but man the fans really um, took to that franchise and and showed up uh, you know the second half of the season and as, as it went along and the team became very good um, you know in my opinion that was the best of the six teams but um, you know they got to the tournament and, and uh, got upset by the eventual champion uh, Saskatchewan in the first round but they have an excellent team and a, and a terrific coach and it's really a good situation there in Edmonton for the CEBL. Um, so, you know, we looked at it, trying to play. We looked at all six or all seven markets, actually, when we started our contingency planning. And certainly Edmonton was uh, was top of mind. But, you know, again, all these provinces are different. And, you know, I think what it really came down to is four of our seven teams are based in Ontario. The league office is based in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And so how can we do this in a way that... Um, you know, is cost efficient and ineffective for this league because what what does in these new leagues is spending too much money too soon. And um, you know, in Ontario, there's all kinds of different um, uh, resources and assets that allow us to do this. And you know, it's still a it's still a seven figure venture to play this tournament. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's very expensive but you know it also makes other differences uh you know we're talking to cbc about nationally broadcasting uh several of these games and of course they're based in toronto so um really there wasn't any other choice it really had to be in in ontario or not at all and and so that narrowed it down to four and then you know different municipalities have different uh constraints on their venues um you know, right now, the the conversations with St. Catharines and, and, and the Meridian Center, uh, the home of the Niagara River Lions, are very positive. So we hope we can get uh, something finalized here in the next week or two. That is John Lashway. He is the executive vice president for the Canadian Elite Basketball League. So the contingency is to play a one uh, or a, uh, a multi-week tournament starting in late uh, July in the Niagara area of Ontario and then a, a crown of champion in August championship weekend was supposed to be here in Edmonton. It's year two of the CEBL. Um, I also uh, inquired about is the, if they don't play is there a concern about 2021? And I was told uh, emphatically, no, there is no concern. They will play in 2021. Uh, CEBL has also asked the uh, Canadian government for uh, about $5 million in, in government assistance as well. So CEBL, like the CFL, like the CPL, um, and, you know, you're relying on so many things other than a TV contract, uh, which they don't have. Um, the CFL does, obviously. But, uh, you know, that's just the way it goes. It's just the way it goes. I mean, uh, if you don't have butts in the seats, it's going to make it tough. Tomorrow, speaking of the CFL, we'll be joined by Eskimos long snapper and a member of the executive board of the CFL Players Association, Ryan King, and get an update of where things are at. Sounds like the league is moving. 
Um, the players, though, seem to be left in the dark a little bit, so we'll talk about that. That and much more is I'll be seeing you through the week here on 630 Chad Inside Sports. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 7 o'clock, 7 till 8. To, uh, next Monday, Reed is back. We are 6 to 8. For studio producer Kellen Kennedy, I'm Dave Campbell. Have a great night. Adler's up next. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.